tinfoil hat. Oh, what the fuck are you guys even talking about? Global controls will have to be imposed. And a world governing body will be created to enforce them. Welcome to Tinfoil Hat. We, we, we go deep, homeboy. Eric, open your mind. Drink from the fountain of knowledge. There's lizard people everywhere. That's some interdimensional shit. Wake up, Aaron. This is only the beginning. Dude, you just blew my mind. Are you ready to get your mind blown? Revolution will be podcasted. Yeah. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another fun, festive episode of Tin Foil Hat. Uh, you know who I am. You know what I'm here to do. Join me, as always, is XG and the place to be. Why do I call you XG? Because you can't say my name. But is there any even name. an X anywhere in yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Xavier? Xavier. Okay, you're good. We no. were going over. I'm like, where is the X in that? Uh, guys, real quick, we want to thank everybody for coming out to our first ever sold-out tour. Both Dallas and Houston sold out. You guys came, you saw, and you kicked a lot of butt. You made an old man super happy, so we thank you. Uh, I mean, dude, it was amazing. Both shows are great. I love Texas. You guys are glorious, so we appreciate you guys. They took all the shirts. They bought all the shirts. All but of them. You bought all the tickets, so we're 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 getting there. Um, we got dates coming out, man. We got some dates. Uh, this se- this whole weekend, it's myself XG. We are at Skankfest. We are in New York. Uh, we are we're very excited. It's gonna be myself XG, and I got a couple guests stopping in. We're gonna talk UFOs, and then we're gonna get into uh, maybe chemtrails and stuff like that. So grab your ticket. I guess there's only a hundred seats of this, so you gotta grab your uh, your festival tickets and grab it real quick, and then. We're going to work on some more shows in New York City down the line. Then, July 6th, uh, it is Tim Fall Hat Comedy Live at the Rec Room. Myself, Eddie Bravo, XG, and who else? Who knows who else we throw up there? It's going to be wonderful. So please come down and uh, join. You can go to uh, recroomhb.com to grab those tickets. Now, can you go down a little bit? We're in Washington, D.C. very soon, and... They are, yeah, it's coming. Where is it? The DC Improv. It's yep. not till September, right? But they're already getting on me about tickets. So go to uh, go to DC. We're gonna be. It's myself, Tim Dillon, at the DC Improv. Come get weird. Today's uh, episode is brought to you by our good friends at BetDSI. Go to BetDSI. Use the promo code pun, go, Use the promo code Hat One Hundred. Go to Hat One Hundred. Use the promo code Hat One Hundred. If you use that promo code and you opt into the bonus, they will double whatever you put into your account. So if you put up to five hundred dollars, if you put five hundred bucks. Bam! You get $500,000 uh, in there. Now, people complain, oh, I can't put my money out. Yeah, because if you double it up and you pull it out, you won $500, and that would be literally the worst business practice in the history of time. Boxing, uh, jiu-jitsu, uh, MMA, you name it, it's all cooking with gas right now. Women's soccer is big. Uh, college World Series baseball, whatever. Cockfighting in Mexico, big, dude. <laughs> make bats, make bats. Do it right now. So go there, go go, go to our good friends at BetDSI. Use the promo code HAT100. Now, if you don't, you want to take your money out and you just want to make a bet, don't opt into the bonus. Just put your money in, make your bet. If you win, you get to pull it right out, okay? So thank you, BetDSI. They just upped 
for more. My specials are available on YouTube for free right now. <laughs> Go to youtube.com backslash Sam Tripoli. You'll find it. Zero F's and uh, Armageddon. Those are, in fact, available right now. And you can watch them for free. And if you like them, share them. I love it. I made my money back on what it cost for me to produce it. So I wanted to put it out to you guys so you guys could enjoy it. So uh, that's the deal. What are we at? What are we at? Uh, 4.30. 4.30. I'm going to still hear about it. I'm going to still hear about it. Okay. Uh, I am very excited about this episode. We, uh, I've been wanting to do an episode on this for a while. Uh, I obviously uh, watched what happened in North Dakota towards the end of uh, Obama's uh, administration. We saw uh, indigenous Native Americans fighting for the, the right to control their land and keep pipelines through it. Uh, we saw Washington, D.C. do nothing until it got so big. And once again, social media helped spread the word when the network news would do nothing. And, you know, we saw what's-her-face Elizabeth Warren towards the end not come out and say anything for her own people to the end until the, uh, Obama had agreed to end it. And even then, it didn't even end when the, they, they started, uh, you know, when they had the police coming down to uh, crack skulls on the poor uh, indigenous. Um, I mean, they were sending different police groups up to train on how to do this. These are, this is in modern times, and that's why I'm very excited about having our next guest on. Uh, what's hap- what happened in North Dakota is now happening in Canada, and we're seeing the exact same thing play out. Uh, I'm very excited to have her on. I know I'm going to butcher names, and I hope she forgives me. But please welcome Kana Woosh uh, Manuel, and she is from the Saquamo tribe. Am I right? Am I? Did I get close on that? Please correct me if I'm wrong. Please don't take offense on that. Yes, white Kukoyatev, Kanahus Bethki, request. Hello, everyone. My name is Kanahus Bethki, and I'm from the Sequatmook and the Tanaka Nations in so-called British Columbia, Canada. I love you. Thank you so much for coming on. And you're also an amazing tattoo artist, and I I'm really appreciate you coming on the uh, show to tell us a little bit about the resistance to the Trans Mountain Pipeline uh, can you basically get into what exactly is going on uh, with your people, your land, and the Canadian government? Yes, the Sequatmook Territory, we come from the biggest nation in so-called British Columbia. Um, British Columbia is the most westward province in, in Canada, and it's the size of Washington State, Oregon, and California combi- combined. So BC is a pretty big area. Um, 180,000 square kilometers of that land is Sequatmook Uluk, which is our traditional Sequatmook territory. We've never signed treaties with the federal government, so there's no treaties with Canada. We have no land agreement. Right now, Canada is pretty well a legal occupation and invasion on our territories. Canada has celebrated 150 years. A couple of years ago, it's a baby country. Indigenous people, were, we feel that the war hasn't ended that this westward expansion and the Indian wars that were executed on our people to steal our land and to have access to our lands and resources and force us onto Indian reserves so they could have a free-for-all of resource extraction is still happening today, and we see it happening with the Trans Mountain Pipeline expansion. Um, this expansion 
um, plans to twin an already existing pipeline that travels 1,142 kilometers from the Edmonton Terminal. Um, this oil is coming from the Alberta tar sands, the infamous Alberta tar sands, and this is bitumen they want to flow. They want to double this pipeline, but they want to triple the capacity to 890,000 barrels of bitumen per day. And this is what we are completely 100% opposed to. As Sukhwatmukh, we continue to live our way of life. We continue to eat our moose meat, our deer, our elk, our caribou, our salmon, our berries, our all of our plant medicines and our animal medicines that we still get off of the land. And so when Canada says they're going to push this pipeline down our throat, that's a declaration of war against our people. And our people are not going to back down. We saw what happened at Standing Rock. We saw that mass amounts of mobilization still could not stop this pipeline. So we have to amp it up. Um, we are the frontline resistance. We are the women warriors of our nation. And we always say the women warriors are the last line of defense. Um, when all of the men are there fighting in battle as our war dance, our traditional war dance goes, when the men are losing in battle it's the women that come and that's why we have such a big nation is because the women were warriors and we're always warriors as well and we are here we are majority women warriors on the front lines against this trans mountain pipeline and we are attacked on a daily basis here in in where we are at right now blue river um, bc I got this off the uh, Guardian.com. Basically explains that this project is a giant mega project, which involves tripling the capacity of the existing Trans Mountain Pipeline. It has been mired in uncertainty for months, and the fierce opposition to, from environmentalists and indigenous groups has led to a very bitter, bitter feud between Canadians' two most westernmost provinces over the risk. Um, this involves, is there a, a, a what exactly is, uh, uh, excuse me, let me find this real quick. What They bought it from the Kindler Morgan, which is a Texas pipeline, a Texas oil company, correct? And they, they what is going on? They're, this is a big fracking project they have in your area. Is that exactly what's going on? Um, no, it's not fracking. The Alberta Tar Sands is a, is a mega mine project. There's hundreds of mines right now that are mining um, tar sands are very heavy, dirty crude from the sands in the Fort McMurray area around Alberta. And when they dig in to get this mine, they're going hundreds of meters into the earth. They're digging one millimeter of earth will be equivalent to, you know, 10,000 years. So they're stripping these old growth forests, per se, with this bogs and the, and the peat moss that they're going to dig down into get this this bitumen, but what it's causing because of mining, mining causes um, tailings ponds, and mining is a waste management industry. You're continually looking after after these mining wastes forever, to the to the end of existence. You're looking after these mining wastes. That's why mining is not sustainable for our people. Um, Right now, the Alberta tar sands is the biggest climate bomb, they call it, in all of the world. Yes. And right now, the tech mine, Tech Frontier, is going through permitting to open up, they say, the biggest of all the Alberta tar sands mine, which would fuel the Trans Mountain pipeline. And this is what we're opposed to. We need to connect the dots between these pipelines and their source. We need to stop it at the source. Um, we've 
continually been going to Europe to speak and um, address the international insurance companies and international banks to divest their money um, from risky projects like Alberta tar sands and the infrastructure that comes along the, the pipeline projects because Canada does not have clear title to the land. Like I said, we never signed treaties with the federal government. And now the only option the federal government is getting giving us to deal with these unsettled land issues is to extinguish our title. So they want to extinguish our title through a modern-day treaty process, and we refuse. So we are, you know, we find ourselves stuck on the front lines blockading actual roads and construction right there on the ground. So we're going from a really on-the-ground approach of our fight all the way to an international level, and we're not stopping this decision that Canada is making tomorrow, um, June 18th, is just going to, you know, fuel the fire for Indigenous blockades and and heat up the summer blockades here on the front lines, Indigenous resistance in Canada. So what and what we're hearing from the Canadian government is that like this is very important to uh, Can- Canada's future, but it's, it's like it sounds like it's going to destroy Canada's future, and that it's only going to make the rich cats right now, who are the same people over and over again that are making money, you know, destroying native lands, whether it's here, the Middle East, wherever, to align their pockets and this notion that make money now, worry about it later. That when I hear it's, it's, it's for the future, it's for the children, why I hear is like, you just want to make your money and you're using emotional ties to try to get people to let you go in and basically, uh, you know, lack of a better term, rape the lands. And it's like, this is not good for Canadian futures. You know, I go to... Um, Edmonton, Vancouver, I go to these places and I hear the, you know, the white Canadians talk about how their environment is getting destroyed by these oil, you know, whether it's sands or fracking, it's just destroying their environment. We hear it all the time. But the bean counters and the suits never want to look at that because the only numbers they care about and the only data they care about is their bank account. And it's just going to destroy And we see it happening over and over again. An attack on one is an attack on all of us. And when I watch was going on in North Dakota and uh, from interviews I've seen you were there we saw paramilitary police come in with armed drones guns tanks not tanks but maybe armored vehicles and just do horrible things to fellow Americans uh and I just think it's just disgusting and I how is how do they say it's going to help their future? What what are your thoughts on that? Because what is the rhetoric coming out of the Canadian government? Because you know Justin Trudeau to me is like just like our uh, Bill Clinton and our uh, Barack Obama. I say never trust an attractive rich liberal. <laughs> I think he's going to lie to you because uh, they have no reason to change the system because the system works so well to you. But uh, what is the rhetoric coming out of the Canadian government that is basically lies in your opinion well first of all i'd like to say that what happened at north dakota was genocide against indigenous people um we really need to expose that that was genocide against indigenous people on a global level and right now canada is being exposed for the genocide against indigenous girls and women here in canada and it's it broke headline news all around the world um last week so we know that trudeau already has a bad track record um his family his father, Pierre Elliott Trudeau, is who my grandfather faced off with. 
um, with the white paper that they tried to pass um, back in the 60s, 70s, and 80s. They were trying to bury, ex like, exterminate Indigenous people out of existence through policy, you know, agreements and fra frameworks, just ex exterminate us right out from existence here in Canada by the stroke of a pen. Th they want to do this. And this is what's happening right now on a, on a national level. Justin Trudeau is doing the exact same thing and he's following his father's footsteps and pushing a white paper 2.0 and they want to push it, you know, with these bills in July. So there's, we got to peep the big picture here when we're talking about pipeline. This is not just a pipeline fight. This is a dirty fight over land and access to land and resources. And they want to continue to show business as usual in the global investor community so they don't think that their investment is at risk. They want to show that Canada is um, has is certainty to invest here in Canada. And what we are doing, every time we stand on title, every time we stand on title and say, no, this is Indigenous territories. Oh. Can you hear, are you okay? I heard, are you, we're still here. Are you still there? There you are. Um, there, she is. there you are. There you are. You're, you're good. Um, oh yeah, I just got a call in. Um, as as you know, I'm on the front line right now. Um, we're here against the Trans Mountain Man Camps, and Trudeau, Justin Trudeau, knows we're here. Every time Indigenous people stand up in this country, it goes right to the top. They know we're here, and we are constantly getting threats, death threats by white Canadian civilians that are coming through here. This is the type of racism that the whole government of Canada continues to prep perpetuate when they do not respect that indigenous people have title to our lands and it's here. 2019 this is 2019 all i ever hear all the time is about all this war crimes that happened in the past and how everybody runs around and they're so upset about it but when stuff happens today in this in the year 2019 nobody seems to care whether it's the slaughter of native americans in, in north dakota the slaughter and the and the and the and the constant attacks against you and your people or the open slave trades that are going on in Libya right now and nobody cares. It's all lip service. It's so easy to remember the past and be like, oh, that was so bad and sit there and, and do your uh, remember and stay here and there. But they actually get involved in what's going on today, man, today. This is a selling out of not just the indigenous people, which it totally is, but also fellow Canadians, man. Because when they come for you guys, they're going to come for everybody. And we already see it in America. When you use full-on military police against the North Dakotas, and nobody does anything. It just they, retweets. It was just retweets, face, Facebook. That's all I saw. A couple people saying they're going to yeah, go. Where were all yeah. of these Hollywood people that are so in love with help, saying how much they want to help those who are, are powerless? Where are all them all the time? All the time. Nobody does anything. And you're like, Sam, what are you doing? Well, I'm trying to do a podcast that helps spread the words to a very large amount of people. And that's what we do. We have to get the word out. Now, what I love that you're doing, okay, is this thing called the Tiny House Warriors. Can you please tell us what the Tiny House Warriors is? 
Yeah, the Tiny House Warriors is a mission. Um, it's a mission to stop this pipeline. And we're building 10 tiny houses on wheels to deploy and put on the path and actually block and stop construction of this Trans Mountain Pipeline. Um, right now where I am, I'm in one of the tiny houses and we have four here stopping this man camp of a thousand construction workers. We've been here for a year. Um, we have two more tiny houses, one tiny house on wheels that just got built from our volunteer builders in Victoria. We want to say thank you to them. And one that's on the Scanlith Indian Reserve right now. So we have two more to deploy um, and we have four more that we've committed to build. Um, we aren't stopping there. We are building traditional homes as well to block the pipeline expansion. But we are building these tiny houses on wheels to be mobile because we've seen firsthand how the Canadian government reacts to us as we go on block construction and we need homes to live in when we're on our territory and they're bulldozed down to the ground. In 2001, we witnessed my twin sister's house being bulldozed to the ground by the provincial and federal governments in the Sun Peak <laughs> Ski Resort Man. Corporation. And so we want to be mobile. We can move these houses along the 500 kilometers of our territory that this pipeline threatens and <clears throat> we can set them up. Um, our first tiny house was... Um, we got our first solar for the first tiny house from Jane Fonda. She's the one that donated the first solar. Oh, that's wonderful. And we, we have other uh, so mobile solar units similar to what was in, in Standing Rock. So we continue to um, charge our you know mobile devices and everything so we can be <clears throat> on social media up here, which is our, our ma major um, need because that's how we keep safe up here and protected is continue to go live whenever we're threatened by attacks. You guys have a GoFundMe, right, where people can donate? Yes, we have a GoFundMe. It's at tinyhousewarriors.com. You can find the link there. Um, very easy to find a ways to donate. tinyhousewarriors.com. Everything's there on that website. So you put them on wheels so you could keep moving or like move them far... Is the purpose of the tiny house also to establish settlement, meaning like we are living here on this land? Yes, it's to um, live on our land. And the full name of our of this mission, as we're calling it, the tiny house warriors, our land is home. And it's really important for us to say this, the last part of our name, our land is home, because wherever we go on our land, it's home. And we can... You know, as mothers, we say we can put our kids to sleep wherever we want on our territory. We could light a fire wherever we want on our territory, and nobody can say otherwise. Um, it was just very recent in my grandfather's generation that fences were starting to be erected all throughout our lands, and people started having access and using our lands for other means. So it's just a very short time, and when we stand out there with such strong authority, it throws a lot of white people off and a lot of white Canadians because they really feel that this is Canada. To us, this isn't Canada. Canada is a legal, dirty, evil, invading country that has nothing been, done nothing but rape and pillage our lands and our women and girls. We have genocide happening in this country because of it. I want to get into uh, that part a little at towards the end of the show about the genocide of women. That that was a big issue, I, I, which I first uh, approached you about coming on the show. So I want to get into that in a few. Uh, uh, some of our listeners, probably all those of our listeners, may not know about the Mount Polly mine incident. Is that? Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, the Mount Polly mine disaster happened in 2014. It happened in the heart of Sukwatmuk territory, my territory. 
I was one of the first um, responders and monitors from our nation on the ground. Um, they quickly sealed it up. They had the police and military and private security who sealed up the to the site so no media could get in to witness this disaster. It dumped hundreds of millions of gallons of toxic, toxic mine waste, heavy metals, um, processing chemicals into Quinnell Lake. Quinnell Lake is one of the deepest, if not the deepest glacier-fed lake in the world. It's a salmon spawning grounds. Uh, we call this beautiful lake Yuchnasenchaimetkwa, and it refers to the breaking of a woman's water when she gives birth. Oh. Um, it gives life. And so this was a very, you know, traumatic. We say that was our 9-11 in our territory when that spill happened. We had fishermen and women crying on the rocks and the fishing spots because of what it means to our salmon, all that heavy metals and the copper and selenium, especially because those are the ones that affect the navigation of the salmon as they come and return and birth back into their spawning grounds in their home every four years. And so this mine disaster happened on a very big four-year run so the salmon were just coming up to spawn up those waterways that were impacted by this mine disaster and we saw firsthand how the government the federal and the provincial governments worked hand in hand with the corporation to reopen the mine after without the proper cleanup without any fines or penalties and now you know, it takes a long time. It's already 2014 that that's happened. But now people are saying, finally, this mine company may receive some fines, you know, after all of this time. And we know how slow this process works. And this is a big concern about the Trans Mountain Pipeline is that our relatives in Oklahoma and other places that have had pipelines for decades and decades continue to remind us that wherever there's pipelines, there's spills. There'll always be spills. So there is no um, spill-proof pipes out there that they're going to install. No, they're going to continue to spill and corrode. There, I mean, the first pipeline is an old 1953, old, rusted, decrepit pipeline that they want to flow uh, heavy crude, toxic crude through it. So they don't really give a shit about the environmental standards. They make them up as they go along. I mean, when they're just discharging the waste from the Mount Pauley mine disaster, they look at a dilution zone of 30 feet before they take the, their little beaker and test the water. So it goes into the deepest glacier-fed lake and it has a dilution zone of 30 feet and then they check the water and they say it's good for drinking and good for aquatic life, but it's not. And we talked to the top mercury experts of the world, Dr. Hanada out of J Japan, who's been working on the Minamoto disease and with the indigenous people impacted here in Canada and the Grassy Narrows since the 70s. And he uh, he told us, do not drink the water, oh, do not man. use that water anywhere from here, from the site of the Mount Pauley mine disaster for 100 kilometers. And by that time, it's already flowing into the Fraser River, oh, which, is, which is... You know, the watershed, the Fraser River watershed is the watershed for two-thirds of the British Columbia population. Um, this is a major environmental disaster that should concern everybody. It shows how the government continues to allow corporations to get away with this ecocide. And we say ecocide is equivalent to genocide on Indigenous people. So it's the killing off of all the plants and animals of the area so Indigenous people cannot survive.
And it's just like, and this again affects most of the, if not all the population of Canada. And it's just like people just trying to make a quick buck for now, kick the can down the line. These, there will come a time when these people, this, whoever bulldozed your sister's house, you know, his grandchildren are going to have to deal with the, the ramifications of his actions. And just, he does not care. When these cops come and they kick in doors of, of these Native Americans in North Dakota, where we've already seen pipes spilling. It's already happened with like instantly. And this is like, this affects you. This affects you. This affects me. This affects everybody. And this notion that the dollar is the only thing that matters. Well, guess what, man? You're having kids. Those kids will have kids. And guess what? You're giving them a broken world because you're taking quick buck. Because you want a nice house. Well, her dad was fighting with homeboy's dad, too. Yeah. And it's, it's, just, and it's just like, you know, Trudeau's dad is, yeah. Trudeau's dad is uh, Fidel Castro, but that's a different story. <laughs> but the point is, man, is that we, um, we, are, we are allowing these people. Like, when, when, when oppression comes to crack down on resistance... The police are sent in, and they are they are the brown shirts. When 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 they send in men to, in bulldozers to drop to, to to knock down your houses, they are they are doing the will of the bankers of these very high up lizard people. And but they don't realize they're going to have to live in your the same world you're living in. And that environment, the drinking water will be bad. The the animals will be gone. The air will be awful. And it's all because they wanted a check. And to the point where eventually they'll send that check elsewhere and get cheaper people to basically do the labor. And then they'll be out of work. And it's just like we got to stop kicking the can down the road. Now, what we've also seen is Canada is also manufacturing consent. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Because we see that in in America. Obviously, it's not as important. It is an important issue with the Washington Redskins and that name of that team and how I find that so offensive. And I'm not a political correct guy. I just say, if we're going to set a line where we're going to say certain words by that are that describe certain groups are wrong, and then we have one that is red skin, which is directly against everything that political correctness is against, and yet we're allowed to do it. Why? Because this political group, this group has doesn't have a lot of political capital, and they're not the strongest political group, but Jews, blacks, uh, gays, if there was any word that goes against them, those words would be done with very quickly. But Redskin is not. And then we see that, oh, they've done this poll and that most Native Americans don't care. And I'm like, how do you know that poll's real? And who made that poll? Who funded that poll? It's probably the guy who owns the Washington Redskins and was just putting out that info. So can you tell us a little bit about what the Canadian government has been up to? Yeah, um, they are manufacturing consent for this pipeline to go through. Um, some of the things that I would like to mention, just as we're talking about the Redskins and, and these racist terms that people continue to call us, like Pocahontas, like all these My racist apologies. terms. I mean, I, I mean, I even had some guy come to the front gate at our blockade the other day and call me Geronimo like it was an insult. But like, I owe you so an apology. Pe- Sorry, people. People say a lot of different things, but the biggest, the underlying issue and around the racism is that Canada and the U.S. and the, you know the government of Canada, the government of 
the United States of America is based off the some of the most um, racist, you know, notions, you know, the most racist and white supremacist notions that white people could come to our land and claim our land as their own. It's just as racist as white people thinking they could own a black man as a slave. We know that's wrong now. And that's just as racist as white people thinking they could come over to our land and claim it as their own. And and people are going to have to grow up and get out of those racist notions because that's the, the undertones and the underlying reasons why people could say Redskin and Pocahontas and think there's nothing wrong with it. You know, like, we're, we're at a battle right now not just for against this pipeline but we're at a battle always for the hearts and minds of all of our people why does this concern other fellow americans and other fellow canadians it's because our life is going to be you know at our life is at risk right now they're saying we have 11 years there's forest fires that could come and take people's lives we have climate change. We have the earth heating up. We have water that's being contaminated. We have algae blooms in California where California natives can't even eat, eat their salmon or swim in their rivers. Like there's major environmental impacts that are going to change the way that people live. We're living with a privilege now. You know, colonial society has made people very privileged. People say there's a white privilege, but a lot of people are living with a privilege thinking they could have live this way of life where they could drive this car, go to the movies, come back, lay on their couch, turn their TV on, stay on internet all day on their data. Like these types of things that people are accustomed to nowadays. But things are going to change and it's going to be environmental disasters and it's going to be things like where people are going to lose their home, completely lose their home because of the eco economy of the country. Um, that's going to make people really change at the way that they they live. And that's why one of the reasons why we built these tiny houses to show people we can live without um, being dependent on the system. And that's what colonization is. It's being dependent, you know, on their system, displacing us off of our land and making us dependent on them. How are we going to pull away from being dependent on the system? I mean, I'm sure every freaking American doesn't want to pay taxes and be dependent on the, on the system for anything. We would rather be self-determining as, as peoples and as humans and not have a government that oversees everything that we do. You know, the police that oversee everything that we do. We as a people, we have to be creative in our minds to think of of um, how are we going to create these solutions because they're not going to create it for us. You know, the Trump and Trudeau's are not going to create the solutions that are going to benefit us as as people. And I'm not even just saying indigenous people. I'm saying human rights of this planet I agree. that we have. And, and it's going to be coming come from us. It's going to come from smart people coming together to say, how are we going to live? And this little village site that we created, I mean, we have to deal with all of our waste that we create. So are we going to bring in a lot of waste? No. Are we going to bring in, you know, tens of thousands of people like at Standing Rock? And we know we couldn't stop it with those 10,000 people just being there. We have to have those 10,000 people united in their skill sets and deployed in their certain ways that they're going to boom, we're going to kill this pipeline. Um, we have to be smart and, and this collective intelligence that we're continuing to build. I mean, we're continuing to build off this 
collective intelligence that we created and we we building off of the standing rock that was the the death blow now what's going to come from this where our minds are already our vibrations are a lot higher now because of standing rock and we're going to see things maybe this is the calm before the storm but things are there and they're brewing in indigenous country and it will explode because this bomb this car- carbon bomb this climate bomb this you know reservation bomb this you know fentanyl bomb murdered and missing it's just it's just too much for our people we're going to have to fight back and we are the mama bear getting pushed into the corner where we have nothing left they attack our kids and we have nothing left we're fighting back full force and that's where we're at right now as the women in our territory well, I appreciate that. I really do. And I understand. I, I, I completely agree with every word that came out of your mouth. Now, how are they? I just want to get back to this. And how are they um, false faking in indigenous consent? Um, right now, here in the country of Canada, there is a thing called the Indian Act. And it was, you know, invented to get access to our lands. It forced us onto Indian reservations. If you add up all the Indian reservations in Canada, it equals 0.2% of land base. So 99.8% is what Canada claims. And with the Indian Act, they invented the chief and council system, um, the band office system, we call it um, Indian Affairs. And these these chief and council system, before it was chief and council, it used to be the Indian agent that came around with their their money and and made sure that Indians had a little bit of rations and, a, and enough little housing and things like that. But our people, you know, mobilized across the country and they got our own people in. So they invented this elected process called chief and council. These are the manufactured leaders that Canada is going to. They both get paid by the federal government. Trudeau, chief and council, both get paid by the federal government. My father would say, when I say chief and council, I'm saying colonization. So, and my uh, my grandfather, Wolverine, who's a big longtime war hero, land defender here, he would say, oh, you talk to chief and council, that civil servant talking to their own civil servants. And so that's why we say that Canada is manufacturing consent is because they're going to these manufactured leaders that Canada invented and pays in order to get that consent for these pipeline projects to go through. And these are these are indigenous people that have, are taking a dollar or taking money to sell out their own people. Yeah. And one thing that we have to really look at is that because of colonization, the Canadian government really forced us into residential schools, which indoctrinated a lot of, you know, that mentality into like the Eurocentric way of thinking. Um, Colonization did a lot to our people. They sexually abused our people in those Mm -hmm. residential schools. We're dealing with that now with the internet. intergenerational healing that's happening because of the effects of the Indian residential schools. And some of these schools, you know, 90% or plus were sexually molested by the priests and nuns. Pedophiles flocked to these residential schools. And it needs to be talked about because the only way that people could speak out is to expose you know, why we are in the situation we're in. Why are these native people with brown skin selling out our people for a pipeline? 
because they are colonized, because they have been, you know, affected by childhood sexual abuse in these residential schools, you know, because they've been at the, you know, getting billy clubbed in the face by the system. Yes, yes. You know, and that's why, so yeah, they are selling out our people. They're selling out our people and they're falling right into the exact same plans that the Canadian government has for them. But right now, Canada has to follow minimal standards called um, free prior informed consent. So they need the free prior informed consent of the Indigenous peoples before they can put any type of projects like pipelines through. But they don't have that consent because Indigenous grassroots people, First Nations, Indigenous peoples here in Canada have been mobilizing and organizing. And one of the main reasons why Kinder Morgan, Texas Bait Company, folded and sold their company to Canada was because of the opposition to this pipeline. And Canada purchased it in order to show that they can push this pipeline through. It was too much high risk for Kinder Morgan. But Canada agreed to take on that risk because that meant facing off with Indigenous peoples and environmentalists opposed to the pipeline. And Canada said that they're willing to bring the army in to bring this push this pipeline through. And the consent that they're manufacturing is because they can't get the consent from us. And so now they've invented, and we call them government-made organizations, GMOs, that they've <laughs> invented in order to purchase this pipeline. So now they want Indigenous people to purchase 50% of this pipeline that was such a bad deal, Kinder Morgan didn't want it, Canada bought it, now they want half of it, they want it. They want natives to buy half of it. And so they have native sellouts, majority men, going to come out with an announcement very soon, you know, with Canada, that they are going to be purchasing half of this pipeline. This is the types of violence that we're continuing to face at the hands of men, you know, whether they're native men or the old boys club or the big, big chief club. That's what we're facing off against right now. Those plus the oil sands workers. So there's basically a civil war going on within your people at this point. Yes, there there has been, and it's and it's been because of the deals, these mutual benefit agreements, these agreements that they continue to sign with these both the government and the corporations to give access to our territories. This is extinguishing and you know, our existing collective rights. And when you look at our rights as a Sukhwatmuk right, as it's a collective right amongst every man, woman, and child within our, um, within our Sukhwatmuk nation. So, so there's 10,000 Sukhwatmuk that exists here in the world. And we collectively have a say over our land. We inherit this territory we've inherited this is my inheritance and it'll my children would inherit that's what we call it's an inherent right and title to our lands and Canada has even recognized it within their own Supreme Court decisions in the Delgamook decision in the Chilcotin decision where Supreme Court judges unanimously have ruled on the side of Indigenous people, yet Canada refused to implement it into their land policies and laws here in Canada. So you're talking about your children. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, 
Freedom Babies. And is there a movie about this? I, did you make a movie or did somebody make a movie with you about it? Yeah, my Auntie Doreen Manuel, she's a filmmaker, and she made a movie called Freedom Babies. Freedom Babies is a movement of mothers who refuse to register their children with the Canadian government. So my children, they're 16, 14, 12, and 8, and they do not have any Canadian birth certificate or social security or up here they have social insurance number in Canada when you turn 16 but don't have that Um, don't have any type of um, record with the with the government except for possibly like a police record that they may have now by now Um, but yeah my children are babies and they were actually even detained in Tapachula Mexico they call it Trump's new border it's the Chiapas, the Mexico-Guatemala border. This is last year in April as they were traveling back from the Mayan relatives in the Mayan highlands. They were, you know, stopped in Chiapas and because they didn't have no Canadian passport, they were detained and they were detained for 10 days down in Tapachula, which is like the largest um, Mexican immigration detention center and yeah, all of Mexico. And I had to go down there and fight to get them out of there. And we got them, they had them deported to San Diego. As soon as I landed in San Diego, the border guard said, hey, you know, you don't even need this. You're indigenous. We recognize the J Treaty. And I said, yeah, that's exactly what I told the Mexican, you know, border too. And Canada had got involved and we got them out, but this is some of the things that we have dealt, we're de- dealing with on a nationhood level as we continue to assert our sovereignty to our nation and continue to exist as nations as we've continued to birth our babies on our territory since, you know, the beginning of time. And now as we continue to exercise our rights, like birthing our babies on our lands and not having to you know, have any type of influence by the Canadian government or or record registering them, um, we're still targeted. And my son, he's here on the front lines, and he's he's a massive he's a massive warrior. And the cops look at him, and they target him too. You know, because of wow. his size. And you know, this is what we're doing. This is an intergenerational fight. We've been fighting since first contact. My grandfather saw the first white man when he was eight years old and then my father was in the fight for his whole life till he passed on and now you know myself and passing it on to my children it's been an intergenerational fight and and we're not going to stop this fight is against Canada and this colonial government and for our freedom and self-determination it won't stop now we're now there's like arrests going on there's defiance your own husband is being arrested and tried and thrown in jail for a very long term. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, my, yeah, my husband and I'm a freedom fighter. This is what I love to do. This is my love. And, and I fell in love with a man Respect. who's been held captive and he's been held captive behind enemy lines and it's a wrongful conviction charge. He's innocent and he's been fighting for his freedom for the past 25 years. His wow. name is Orlando Watley a.k.a. Elk Bone. There's a bunch of information, you know, hashtag Fearlando Watley. You're going to find information. But he's been in there for 25 years. He's a Chickasaw native and a Bantu African. And, yeah, he caught my eye. 
you know, he caught my eye on social media as he reached out for help. And I said, yes, I'll help you. I'll find molecular biologist. And I continued to communicate with him and I fell in love with him and I married him. Um, over a year ago, we've been married. And Congrats. so I get to go inside and I get to spend 46 hours with him now. And I'll be going to visit him in the middle of July for my next 46 hour visit with him and, you know, plot and plan more of um, his freedom. And we've secured some lawyers. And and anytime I go to L.A., I do tattoos and that goes to pay for lawyer costs. So I'm a tattoo artist, too, and continue to bring back our indigenous tattooing and raise money for my for my husband's freedom. He's connected um, to some other cases, not not through the crime, but through through a corrupt police officer by the name of Daniel Gorgonis. He was also involved in some really more high-profile cases that are getting more exposure. The Kevin Cooper case, who Kim Kardashian had tweeted out to, you know, save Kevin Cooper, who is on death row. The governor now has, you know, put a moratorium on the death row in California because of this case, Kevin Cooper's case, and has ordered DNA um, evidence on some of the items for Kevin Cooper's case that will expose more of the same corrupt cop, Daniel Gregonis. And William Richards, he was wrongfully convicted for 23 years. He's now free and fighting for some compensation. He's actually spent 23 years, and it was also Daniel Gregonis, same corrupt police from really? San that put them away. So there's the they're connected by the same corrupt cop, Daniel okay. Gregonis. We got to do a show on that one. All and right. so he's um he's fighting for our freedom and we secured a lawyer now in Oakland and it's hard for me to you know be down there in California fighting for him full time when I'm up here fighting against the second largest country of the world and this pipeline that that they're forcing through us um but this fight is connected indigenous people are the most incarcerated per capita than any other race there is that statistics both in Canada and the U.S. Um, indigenous women are even higher incarceration rate than the indigenous men so yes we are targeted and we know that more and more people are being exposed for these wrongful convictions um, in Canada and the U.S. Um, because of the corrupt you know the, the, just the corrupt nature of the system it's going to continue to target us brown people and put us in, in prison. And my husband, he was 19 years old when he went in. Oh my and, God. you know, we're hoping he's he'll be free soon. We have molecular biologists and such looking at some of the case. And we want more molecular biologists and science. If people can reach out, that's what we're looking for right now is um, PhD or expert molecular biologists. All right. Well, we're... After we get done, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna get all your information and we'll tweet all about that and we'll see if and anybody who listens to the show can help you out with that because we would love to help. Okay. And I want to get into something about uh, you've been talking a lot about indigenous women and uh, a story that does not get enough attention is how indigenous women, both in the United States and in Canada. Uh, go missing and we see how there is like no actual like national or international database 
on these numbers. Like for the longest time, there was no database on people who were shot and killed by police officers. So people would look for these numbers and there were no numbers to be found. And now we found out that this is like, this is a very big issue that people not might not know about on top of what you've already taught us. But like, this is like women, girls, women are disappearing and there seems to be like no kind of trail. No, they just vanish with no numbers, no investigation or anything. Do you have any information you could tell I us fa- about? I found some numbers. Okay. From 1980 to 2012, the the cop, the Canada police said that there was 1,500 women missing. Oh my but God. the Canadian um, Indigenous Association women, they said it was 4,000. So you see how that number yeah. varies so ja- much? Yeah, of course. Of course. What are you, uh, Can we get any of your thoughts on the subject? Yeah, there's tens of thousands of Indigenous women and girls that have been missing, and possibly even more, and Indigenous men and boys just as well. It was the late 70s that Indigenous people and concerned people here start compiling databases to you know, record um, Indigenous women and girls that have been murdered and missing, and now the databases are started for the indigenous men and boys as well. But we say Canada was the first man camp that came because Canada came as the Hudson Bay Company and and they did the same thing. They had their way with their women. They took our women. They raped our women. And the same thing happened with the, the railway, the highway. Whenever they have workers' camps, they continue to just think they could have our women and take our women. And our women, indigenous women, are being sought after they're the most beautiful. They're the most beautiful in the world. And people will look at them and they will see something very, very pure because we come from a very ancient line. That's what we are. We are ancient. We are pure to this land. And we are the inheritance of this land. And in order for people to hold that power over us, they need to take out our the ones that are inheriting the land, the ones that we hold at the most, almost utmost respect, our women, they need to show that they can take them, they can disappear them, they can murder them. And they've been doing it ever since they got here to our lands. And this man camp where I'm at right now, where they want to house a thousand men, is linked to increased violence against Indigenous women and girls. Um, there's many reports. We have a website, we have a declaration against the the man camps. Um, But our women are looked at as um, for sex tourism, the human trafficking. Um, There's places around the world like the Philippines where that was the number one place to go for sex tourism. Um, Now Canada is now near the top of the sex tourism because of our Indigenous women. And we need to talk about this. We need to talk about the human trafficking. There's young people right now on social media that are doing live feeds with people who have escaped from human trafficking to expose to other teens and young people that this is real life. This is what's happening up here in Canada. Some of these places are very small and and isolated. It's still happening. The Trans-Canada Highway that goes from the West Coast all the way to the East Coast is one of those... um, Human trafficking, um, tra- transportation hubs is the Trans Canada Highway, just as the highway going down Highway 5 all the way down 
um, the coast. Is it Highway 5? The I'm not sure if it's the Highway 5, from, from Seattle all yeah. the way down yep, to Sandy. Yeah, it is the oh. 5. Um, all that is the as a high, high, uh, highway, human trafficking, Highway 2. And so we're finding more and more of this out because women are feeling safe, because there's more organizations that are advocating for women. Women are finding it safer to come out and disclose more of what's happening in these underground human trafficking rings. It's real life. It's happening here against Indigenous women here in Canada. Well, I mean, we've seen in an international court how Queen Elizabeth was convicted in the mis- disappearance of like 10 uh, indigenous children of Canada and she's found guilty. And when somebody yeah. tried to arrest her, they grabbed that police officer and threw him in a mental facility and he's still there. They won't let him out. So this is real. Wow. This is like, there has been convictions on this, you know, like, well, as you are your own isolated tribe, that means there's less structure and social structure in order to report it. So it's easier to make people disappear. Has it happened within your own tribe? Um, yes, there's many women that have disappeared. Um, one of the communities that's close to the reservation where I grew up had three women disappear on the same road within a month and a half. Um, so this is very serious. Um, there's women that are being found in the rivers. We come from the land of the spilling waters. So we have a lot of major, really high powered rivers where if bodies are disposed in the rivers, they could possibly not come up for years because of the undercurrent. This is real life. This is, I'm hearing these testimonials from elders along these river corridors. So we need more exposure. We need people to know that this is happening here in Canada. And our women, like right now, we had the, the, the federal inquiry into the murdered and missing Indigenous women where there was testimonials from hundreds of women and, and families that have been impacted by their loved ones going missing and never being found. Um, there's murders that have happened to young teens just recently where the white... Um, the, the killers are getting away with murder of these young native teens. Tina Fontaine is one of them, Colton mm-hmm. Bushy. These are some of the names that spread across you know Canada and showed firsthand the judicial system here in Canada just refusing to charge outright murders of young native girls and boys. And every time like a parent goes and tries to give a police statement, the cops just brush it off as it's either she's sex trafficking, drunk, or just gone missing. And they let it go for a little bit, and then eventually they look for it, but it's too late. Yeah. They just assume, like, because they're teenagers, what do they say? <sighs> she just turned 18. Ah, oh, typical teenager. Yeah. They're dipping out. Yeah. Give it a week. Yeah, and then a week just, later, it, they're gone. This this just happened recently in, in Kelowna, in the next nation south of us, where a teen was went into the RCMP station to... Um, disclose and report a rape that happened to her only for the RCMP to be recorded and it went out viral what what this RCMP was saying like didn't you enjoy it did you enjoy it just oh a little God. bit and so this RCMP is exposed I mean this the the footage of the interrogation or the it sounded more like an interrogation rather than her giving a, a, a report on a rape and she was an indigenous young indigenous woman, so it's being exposed. It, it went across, you know, the news, the news 
footage for a, a couple of days last a couple of weeks ago. So we know that this is happening. We first heard about this in Arizona, remember? That couple that came with us, yes. and she was straight telling us, like, you guys don't know nothing about this yeah. is in our community. And they were we afraid saw, to yeah. come forward about it as well. So I very much appreciate you coming on the show and giving us information. So uh, as we ended up end here, I want, I want to know, um, where would you like our listeners to go check it out? Obviously, hashtag Tiny House Warriors. Are there any other GoFundMes you'd like them to check it out, check out and yeah. support? Yeah, the tinyhousewarriors.com. There's a GoFundMe on there. And also freeorlandowatley.org. There's also ways to support if you want to help support this um, freedom for my love and still fighting against the system. Well, uh, I cannot thank you enough for coming on our show and uh, talking to us about everything. When you are in town, I don't know how much time you have in Los Angeles when you're doing tattoos. One, I would love to come down to where you're doing tattoos and get one so I could um, I could uh, support your cause. Uh, I'm the only guy in his 40s getting more tattoos, but I do love them, <laughs> and I would love to get one from you and support. And uh, afterwards, I'm going to hit you up, uh, and I'm going to get all the links. We'll put them out. And uh, I just can't thank you enough for coming on, and I really appreciate what you're doing, and I wish more people would be engaged in what's going on because uh, when they come for you, they come for us. And it's just the truth. Mm -hmm. And when they're going to take your land, they're going to take our land. They're gonna, I mean, they're going to take our rights. And it, it's just the same people over and over and over and over again, man. And it's just over and over. We see the same thing. The Palestinians, the indigenous of mm -hmm. Canada, the indigenous of, 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 of the United States. We just see power just coming to crush spirits and, we, you know, one goes down, we all go down and we really all have to rally and stop looking at each other as different groups and just being all brothers and sisters and try to help out. And I know it sounds some kumbaya stuff, but I really do believe it, man. We have to help you fight back and then help these other people fight back so that we all fight back. I'm so thankful you came on the show and I really appreciate you. And uh, let's please do this again. I hope you had a good time and I hopefully people yes. will appreciate and get back to you. Okay. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. Hold on one sec. Don't hang up. We're going to end the show, but I want to talk to you for a sec. Okay. okay. Thank you. This is only the beginning. Dude, you just blew my mind. Tim Foyle hacked. Tim Foyle hacked.